You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. That we started, this is the eighth week that we're, we're in it. And uh, we started it on Easter Sunday, and it's going along with uh, the mini-series on NBC, and, and, and we're having small groups that coincide with that. And if you're not a part of a small group, we'd love for you to join a group, because I just think that we're better together. Um, in fact, the Bible shows us that we're better together, and, and uh, you can join a group at the end of this service. Uh, if you go into the gathering, which are in the, through those double doors right there, and there is a small group counter in the back, and you can be a part of that as well. Um, with that being said, today we're going to be talking about God's plan will always work out. God's plan will always work out. How many of you have ever, ever asked the question, what, why is this happening to me? Anyone ever said that? Why is this happening to me? Or, or how, am I, uh, how am I going to make it through this? What am I going to do now? Anyone ever said anything like that? I can raise two hands up, right? Because I've said that plenty of times. You know, one of the things that we find in the pages of the Bible is that God Almighty never says to himself, what am I going to do now? Right? God never says, what am I going to do with these people? What am I, you know, what am I going to do? Look at what they're doing. I can't believe them. So what we find out from the scriptures is that God is in control no matter what is happening around him. And that's something that we got to grab a hold of and kind of make it our foundation. You know, the death of Jesus was no accident. The death of Jesus was in the plan of God. The resurrection was God's plan. The church is God's plan. You being in church today is God's plan. And he's working all of these things out um, no matter what life looks like. God is able to turn bad into good. God is able... To turn circumstances into testimonies. God is able to change people's hearts. He's able to change people's lives. And so I, I want us to look at that. And I, I, we're, gonna, we're going to go to Acts chapter 8. And we're, we will be reading the first eight verses there. And from that, I believe it's going to show us very clearly how, how God is, is, is in control. And his plan is always being worked out. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask your blessing upon it, Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will um, open up hearts and minds. As Shauna said, Holy Spirit, that, that you will just be our helper to, to know Christ in a greater way and for our hearts to be receptive. Um, I, I, just, I pray for myself, Lord God. I pray a blessing that, that, that you will just help me to speak clearly and that everybody here will, will just grab a hold of what you want for them. And, uh, and let us all leave here today with the assurance that your plan, your plan will always work out, and it's a good one. So we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, 
Amen. So uh, chapter 8 starts out, and uh, let me give a little bit of a, uh, of a background. So Stephen, in chapter 7, Stephen was one of the servers, or the deacons, we call him, and he was serving the church, but he was a mighty preacher. And the religious people got really upset. They got really mad at, at him. And they came and they falsely accused him the way they falsely accused Jesus. And in that, they ended up killing him and they stoned him. Now, if you read chapter 7, and that's your homework if you haven't read it, you'll find out that Stephen, he was bold and confident, and the glory of God shone on him, and he looked like, like if he was an angel. And the religious people just got so upset, and they, and they killed him, and now we're, we're going to chapter 8, okay? So, so chapter 8 starts like this. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Now put that in your pocket right there, because that's important. Saul is a very important figure in the Bible. Saul becomes Paul, but put that in your pocket right now, because he's going to be central. A great wave of persecution began that day. And someone say amen, if you like persecution. Amen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now let's go back to Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. Now they had not left Jerusalem. They had not left. But here... When the persecution came, guess what? They weren't, they weren't ushered out. They were pushed out into a time of witnesses. So it says, uh, uh, so Saul was going everywhere, but, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Someone say an amen to that. Amen. That means that no matter what we're going through, we're going to preach, right? No matter where the, how the devil comes out, we're going to preach. And then the, the Bible says, uh, uh, Philip, for example, he went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. And crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. That's hope for us believers. That wherever Jesus' church is, there will be great joy in the city. Because God is at work. Great things are happening. So God's plan will always work out. Tell your neighbor right now, God's plan will always work out. And I've got three points to that. I've got three points. The first thing is, point number one, there will always be a lot more to your story than your past choices or your present circumstance. There will always be a lot more to your story 
than your past choices than, or your present circumstance. But pastor, you don't understand. Look at my life. Or look at the life of those around me. It, it, things, are, things are bad. Things are really bad. Can I tell you that your circumstance does not determine the end of the story? You know who determines the end of the story? God Almighty. The church is filled with people with past choices. Some of them good, some of them bad. Amen? Some of us are past with, I mean, we're, we're filled with failures in our past, and then we're filled with some, some mountaintop experiences, but we're all filled with back uh, uh, choices from our past. And, and then the church is filled with present circumstance. In other words, everyone is going through something today. Every person in here, you're, you're either carrying a load or you just carried one and, and it's off of you right now and you're going, whew, I made it. But guess what? There's another one coming. In this world, you find out that there's always a circumstance. There's always something that's going to happen. You all know that I've been going through, through uh, my mom being very ill. She's at the end of her life, and, and I love her very much. I love her more than words can say, and it's a very difficult time. And it's a circumstance. It, it's something that is, is difficult. You all know that, that one of the pillars of our church, whom we love very much, Pastor Bob, is in, at, at the, you know, in... I'm not going to say the end of his life, but he's at the, certainly going over the, one of the last hurdles of his life. Amen? And he, he's, he's in a care home right now, and that's a difficult, it's a circumstance. And so every person in here, you can probably look and you've got circumstances. It might be your, your, your kids, it might be your young adults, it might be your, your old adults, but everyone is going through something. But I'm going to tell you something. You're either going to trust your circumstance or you're going to trust your God. If you trust your circumstance, you are going to be going through up and down, up and down. If you trust your God, you're always going to be in his peace. You're always going to have his hope. You're going to have his ability to overcome. If God has a plan, who's going to deny it? Amen? If God has a plan in your life, who's going to deny it? Paul, today you came and got baptized. That was part of God's plan. And you're starting your life and walking with God. You, you died with Christ. You entered into his death. You were crucified with him today through baptism. And you were raised with him when you came out of the water into new life. All the old is gone. The new has begun, and in that, you're going to be walking, you're going to be uh, uh, walk, talking in the things of God, and, and He's going to guide you in every aspect. But as we look at the Bible, it helps us to understand that in this life, we are going to go through difficulties. The, the disciples, when they preached Jesus and they did mighty miracles, remember the Bible says here that the, there was great joy in the city, but can I tell you, there was great persecution upon the, the disciples. There were threats upon them. Because when God is doing something good, the devil is not happy. And so if you look at Acts chapter 5, verse 38 and 39, it tells us about where the, the disciples, they were put in prison. 
because of what they had been doing and preaching the, the good news. But Gamaliel, Gamaliel was one of the great teachers. He's the one that taught the Apostle Paul. And, 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 and they, they, they brought uh, Peter and John into prison, and, and then Gamaliel speaks to him. He says, wait a minute, because they wanted to kill him. They, they were so upset. How many of you know that religion gets upset? Jesus sets you free, but religion gets upset. I can't believe that they're acting this way. Why are they so happy, the Hallelujah? Why, why are they doing this? It, 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 religion, it freaks them out. But so, so the, uh, they wanted to kill James and Peter, uh, John and Peter. And, 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 and then uh, Gamaliel says this to them. He says, my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are, pl if, if they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. Right? So Gamaliel says, let me tell you something. If this is God's plan, you're not going to be able to stop it. And guess what? This was God's plan. The church is God's plan. The church will always thrive. The church will always make a difference in every community. Because it's not our idea, it's God's. Gamaliel had enough wisdom, and I believe he was prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, when God has a plan, who can prevent it from being accomplished? Put it in your perspective. If God has a plan for Jack Cook, who is going to deny it? If God has a plan for Carol Craft, who is going to stop it? No matter what your circumstance, no matter what you're going through, who is going to stop it? If God has a plan for J.D. McCain, who is going to stop it? People freak out. J.D. McCain is in church? He loves Jesus? If God has a plan, who is going to deny it? You know, how did chapter 8 begin? It began with Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Remember last week we talked about um, the pebble effect? And I, I said that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, and throughout the earth. Remember the word there for witness was martus? The Greek word there, that's where we get the word martyr. Now here it says Saul was one of the witness, witnesses. That's not the same word. That's not martus. That's another word which is very difficult to pronunciate for a Mexican. <laughs> I'll try it. Sinudokin. Sinudokin. I did pretty good. That's the word, sinudokin, and what that word means is to actively approve. So Saul actively approved of them killing Stephen. He was gratified, gratified to assent. He, he was gratified with what, what was going on, and then it gave pleasure. So Saul was one of the ones that was gratified when they were killing Stephen. Now, was that the end of God's plan for Saul? Definitely not. 
Saul would become Paul, and Paul would write the majority of the New Testament. So let me tell you something. Later, later Paul is, is testifying in front of all the Jews. And, and as you go through Acts, you're going you're to read this. In chapter 22, he stands before everybody after they mobbed him and were going to kill him. And he gives his testimony and he talks to them about how he spoke to the Lord when the Lord blinded him in Damascus and how he began this relationship with Jesus Christ. And he tells them this a part of his story. He says, he says this, he says, I said, Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe." in you and when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him then the Lord said to me go I will send you far away to the Gentiles go I have a plan for you Paul go I will be with you you will speak before kings you will speak before dignitaries you will speak before the Gentiles and many people will come to Christ because of my plan not your plan you see, some of us in here, we were Saul's. Some of us in here, we persecuted the church. We talked about the church. We thought people were freaky when they went to church. But God had a plan. God has a plan. God is going to work out his plan in you. And you will never be fulfilled until you submit yourself to God's plan. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll fight against God. Especially if you're in here right now this morning, God has a plan. You would not be here if God had a plan. You'd be at the bar. Amen? But you're here because God loves you. Now Paul, progressively, he reflected on what God had done. He, re he told everybody, and every one of us, beloved, when you're going through your life, you will understand that you can look back and say, this is who I was, and now I am this person. And even 10 years from now, you're going to say, God has still been moving in my life. Because how many of us are perfect? Raise your hand if you're perfect. We're, we're, we're mature, some of us, in Christ, but we're not perfect. Amen? We're progressively moving. And, 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 uh, and, and so God is always, always, always working his plan out. There was a guy by the name of Justin Martyr, and he was an early church theologian, and he wrote to the emperor, Antonius Pius, and he described believers of Jesus this way. He said, we formally, formally at one time, we rejoiced in uncleanliness of life, but now love only chastity we like to walk in the righteousness of god before we used the magic arts but now we dedicate ourselves to the true and unbegotten god before we loved money and possessions more than anything but now we share what we have and give to everyone who is in need before we hated one another and killed one another and would not eat with those of another race but now since the manifestation of christ we have come to a common life and pray for our enemies and try to win over those who hate us without any cause because God has a plan. God wants to change us. Let me even say this. God can change us.
you see that Justin Martyr recognizes the storyline? We were formerly this, we were formerly that, our circumstances were this, or our circumstances were that, but now, because of Christ, we are anchored in Jesus, we are anchored in the Holy Spirit, we are anchored in the Father, and nothing, nothing, nothing will shake us from Him. How do we apply this? Pastor, what, what, what do I do? I would say hold on to this truth. You are not a product of your circumstance. Your circumstances are a tool in God's hand. What you're going through, God is using to mold you and make you more like Jesus. I have a situation right now that I'm going through. It's foreign to me. I'm taking care of someone. Sean and I have brought someone into, into our lives. Well, we've always taken care of people, but this is kind of different. Unbeliever. Very unbeliever. Handicapped. We're doing things, I'm doing things that I've never done before. You know what God's teaching me? How to serve like he did. How to serve without expecting anything in return. How to love without being loved. Amen? So every person, you need to understand that you're not a product of your circumstance. Your circumstances are a tool in God's hand. Uh, Maria Augusta von Trapp put, put it well. She said, it will be very interesting one day to follow the pattern of our lives as it is spread out like a beautiful tapestry or tapestry. I don't know which one of the two. Depends what side of the track you're from. As long as we live here, we see only the reverse side of the weaving and very often the pattern with its threads running wildly doesn't seem to make sense. Someday, however, we shall understand. In looking back over the years, we can discover how a red thread goes through the pattern of our life, and that red thread is the will of God. God has a plan. The second way that we apply this is remember that God will never waste an injury. He'll never waste a hurt, a failure, an experience, an abandonment, or anything that this world throws our way. God will never waste it. You'll, you'll, you, you'll go through it and you'll say, why did this happen to me? God will not waste it. He'll use it for his glory. The Bible says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Joseph told his brothers, hey guys, you guys intended to, to, to kill me, to harm me, but God intended it for good. Point number two, threats and persecution are sometimes a precursor of seeing the mighty acts of God in your life. Someone say amen to that. Anyone ever came at you because of your faith? If they're not coming at you because of your faith, it might, not, it might be because you're not living your faith. Amen? Because when you start walking out your faith, when you're active in that, people are going to say, dude, what is wrong with you? Or, or they're going to say, I want that. Or they're going to say, man, you are like weird. Right? 
Some of you young people that are going to be going into college and stuff like that, let me tell you, you start walking out your faith and people are going to be saying, what, what, what planet are you from? Your professors are going to say, you believe in God? How can you believe in God? That's just like dumb and foolishness. Right? You'll be persecuted. There'll be threats. The Bible says a great wave of persecution, a great wave began that day. It swept over the church and all the believers, all the believers. And, and think about God's progressive plan. Except the apostles were scattered. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. God, now think about this. Why do you think that they stayed? Because, thank you, Lord, because they were anchored. They ran before, but this time they stood. Think about that. They ran when Jesus was crucified. Now they stood they showed them we're going to stand. Saul was going everywhere, destroying the church, or trying to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. And, and, and I just want you to understand how important it is that you know that the spread of the gospel came because of persecution. The spread of the gospel will always come through persecution. The NIV Archaeological Study Bible put it like this. It says, the expansion of Christianity was a direct, unanticipated result of persecution. On the very day that Stephen became the first Christian martyr, a severe persecution broke out in Jerusalem, and Christians who fled the city became scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, proclaiming the gospel wherever they went. Now think about this. If Saul would not have scattered the early church out of Jerusalem, they probably would not have moved out. Amen? Because we love our comfort. That's why I sat down right now. We love our comfort. We, we love to be comfortable. None of us like persecution. None of us. None of us like threats. You know, our, our brother Benny Silva just retired this year. Give him a hand real quick because of that. He, he made it. And he's finding out that retirement comes with a lot of work. It's called honeydews. But, what you, but what you, when I think about Benny, I think about someone that went day in and day out to church, and he was a witness for Christ. And in that, we've talked many times over the years how some people came at him because of his faith. And they came at him, but they actually helped to, uh, to, for the gospel to go out in his workspace because they knew that he was a follower of Christ. And when hard times came, they would come to Benny and ask for prayer. In modern times, the gospel is spreading like wildfire in places where they can't even talk about Jesus. Did you know that? The, the, the American church right now, let me tell you something, this is true. The American church right now is losing their young people. In droves, I mean, you can look at every statistic the millennials, those, those young people, those that are graduating right now, they are, they're, they're, they're leaving the church, or some of them have never been church, 
And, and it is the most unchurched generation ever in the history of America. And let me tell you why I think that is true. I think that's true because we're a very comfortable church. We're not, we're not persecuted. We're not, we're not being come at for our faith. And the reason for that is because we really, we come to church and we have a good time. But if we don't go out into the, into the world and be a difference, people won't see a difference. And so sometimes people don't even talk about Jesus in their workspace. They don't even, they don't even share God. But places in the world where Jesus cannot be talked about, he's being talked about. And there's miracles going on. Ken Curtis, he's got a PhD, and he, and he, read a, he, he wrote a book called The Spread of the Early Church. He said, in many ways, the spread of Christianity in our present generation is as amazing as in the first three centuries. For example, over the past 40 years, the church under the communist regime in China has multiplied many times over despite official opposition. They have developed a rapidly spreading network of house churches that is reminiscent of the early church. This success is mirrored in many other places around the globe. Let me tell you, beloved, there are places right now where they can't even talk about Jesus openly or, or they will put them in prison and the church is thriving. People are getting saved. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life, one of the greatest testimonies, is when I walked into the real casino after I got saved. I went there for a funeral of one of my relatives that had died from a drug overdose. In that, in that moment that I walked in the doors, I was greeted by my dad's brother, my uncle, and he did not say, how you doing, son? How you doing, mijo? How, how are you? I haven't seen you in four years. I haven't seen you in five years. He didn't say that to me. The first words out of his mouth, the first words that he uttered were, God is not going to help you here. Great to see you too, uncle. I looked at him and I laughed and I said, you're right, uncle. I said, uh, oh no, he said, he said let, me, let, me, let me rephrase, let me say it right. He said, your religion isn't going to help you here. I looked at him and I said, you're right. Religion will never help you here. I said, but my God will. Well, here's the thing. I ended up staying, and some of you know the story, but some of you don't. I ended up staying. They, they bought us a suite. My, my other cousin actually sang at the casino, so she was one of the acts. And she got us a complimentary uh, big suite with two rooms. I stayed with one of my, my best friend and his, and his wife, who was my first cousin. And he gave his life to Jesus that next day. That was my uncle's son-in-law who said, your religion isn't going to help you here. But my God did. He didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. So about three to six months later, his wife gave, his life, gave her life to Jesus. Now they lead thriving small groups. And they have a Facebook ministry. There, God is moving mightily through them. People are being impacted. Let me tell you, God moves through persecution. We should expect it. We should embrace it. We should say, Lord, we want to be who you called us to be. How do we apply this? 
I'm going to say this. The, uh, application number one. The church grows and thrives in persecution and it becomes stagnant and complacent in comfort. It's never a good thing when the church is comfortable. I'm speaking to someone here because you want to get comfortable. You, want to, you don't want change. You don't want things to happen in the church. I mean, screens and lights and all these things. I can't believe it. Oh, we're changing this. Oh, I can't believe the kids are going. I can't believe this. Is, I can't believe it. I can't. Can you just anchor yourself in God and say, Lord, whatever you have, we want to do it for you. Would you, would you please quit wasting your energy trying to find things wrong and say, Lord, I want for you to move through us. There's people getting saved. There's people getting baptized. There's people coming into our midst. Why are we complaining? Because the devil wants to keep you comfortable. He wants to keep you where you don't change a thing. And can I tell you, when you stop changing, you start stinking. Leave your clothes on for a little bit. After three days, your friends will say, you know what, homie? Change your clothes. The legendary rock star, Alice Cooper. How many of you like Alice Cooper? <laughs> A lot of hands going up. Love it. He went from, he turned from darkness to light. He went from biting bats, heads off. I know him and Ozzy did that. To trusting in Jesus. And Ozzy, and Alice Cooper said this, when you believe in God, You've got to believe in the all-powerful God. He's, he's, he's not just God. He's the all-powerful God. And he has total control over everyone's life. The devil, on the other hand, is a real character that's trying his hardest to tear your life apart. Now, can I tell you that progressively, progressively, God moved Alice Cooper out of darkness. And when he was in darkness, do you think his friends thought that he would be serving Jesus one day? There are people in your life that you think, God, they're, they're, they're hopeless. There's someone in your life you're thinking, they're hopeless. They're whole, look at them, they're a mess. Can I tell you, God is the best one to fix messes. Just look at yourself in the mirror. He can fix people. He can, he can restore people. Amen? Point number three. God's plan for you has always been and will always be for you to share the gospel with others. God's plan for your life finds its fulfillment in you getting saved and it finds its fulfillment in others getting saved. You are a vessel for His glory. We meet at a, as a church because God saved us. We meet in our small groups because God saved us. You should be in a small group. You should be in church. Amen? We're a testimony of what God can do. The Bible says the believers who were scattered, they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Doesn't matter where we go. See, I believe with all my heart. Oh, thank you, Lord. I believe with all my heart that this season that I'm going through with my mom being sick, God has all her days numbered. 
He's got all that number. It's not, God, God's not scratching his head saying, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. He said, Cello Reese, there's an appointed time. And every trip that I make, can I tell you, it's, it's, it's not only to go see my mom, which that's a big part of it, but it's for me to be a testimony for, for God's glory. It's for people to be impacted. I had, a t- I had a talk with her doctor the other day. This doctor makes house visits. She goes and visits my mom. So I talked to her for a, for a length of time, and she said, you are so different from your brother. You're like night and day. I said, well, we used to be night and night. But God, had a way, God has a way of changing our lives. And we talked, and she said, you need to hear my story. I said, I can't wait. You see, God has a plan in every circumstance that we're in. I know that no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I go, it's because God has me there. Here's my question. Are you sharing the good news with others? And I don't have much time. Are you sharing the good news with others around you? They need to hear it. I, I received a, a, an email from a, from a dear lady here in the church. She's writing a book right now. And uh, she asked me to read uh, a part of it, and, and wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, manuscript that she's already put together. And she sent me this email, and, and she put, uh, uh, she said this. She said, thanks for taking the time to read it. I appreciate it so much. My writer's group is less than enthusiastic about my subject matter, so it's hard to get a good evaluation. It usually ends up in a discussion about the Bible stories being myths and, and just stories. Most cannot understand what I'm attempting to do, so I end up spending time explaining things they reject in the first place. However, one guy who is a cradle Catholic, that just means that from birth he's been a Catholic, and there's been cradle Baptist, and there's been cradle living word chapel, doesn't mean anything, it just means that from, from birth they've, they've been that way. He says he wishes he could have read something like this when he was younger. He might have understood it better. When you were talking about courage and boldness last Sunday, it made me realize that instead of feeling defensive, I need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak for me. Reading Stephen's bold sermon, I could see the Holy Spirit speaking through him to those religious leaders who thought they knew everything. It's no accident that I am in this group. She grabbed a hold of the fact that God has a plan. There is no accident that you are in where you're at. Let me tell you something. If someone in here, you need to hear this. You need to quit complaining and you need to start praising. You need to quit complaining and you need to stop praising. I went and visited a gentleman that had a sciatic nerve problem. He couldn't get up for four days. He was in there. He had to go to the restroom so bad. He said, Lord, I need to get up. I, what's going to happen? I need to. He started praising the Lord. And guess what? He was able to go pee in the bathroom. Can I say that in church? He was able to get up and go to the bathroom. I love the way that uh, the Holman's commentary puts it, and I'm about to close. All of us who are part of Christ's body, the church, should be greatly interested in the vast differences among Christians. The original 12 disciples did not have uh, much in common except for certain occupational and personality traits. In Acts 9, we find the final reference to Stephen, a brief introduction of Saul, and the story of Philip, three people who came from considerably different backgrounds 
God's grace brings together vastly different people into one body. The church is God's plan, and it includes you. We're all different here, beloved, but we're all on the plan to bring glory to Jesus. How do I apply this, Pastor? How do I apply this last point? Embrace the fact that your plans will be sporadic until God becomes the centerpiece of your decisions. The Bible says, many are the plans in the mind of a man or a woman, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for you being here with us. Holy Spirit. God, thank you for being a God who plans and directs. I know in times past and even in present times, I've planned my life without putting you as the centerpiece. When I've done this, the results have not been good. But even through all the bad choices, you show me in your word that you love me and you are at work. You show me that you have a plan of restoration and grace. So today I embrace your plan. And I ask you to please direct my daily steps. I want your plan to direct my present and my future steps. Give me eyes to see your plan and your will. I choose to trust you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with my life and the path that you have for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.